Welcome to Anchored with Mike Robinson. As you listen today, you will discover what it means to have Jesus Christ as the anchor of your soul. Let's discover him and find purpose today. Amen. If you're close enough to somebody in the spirit, you can tell them stop whining. Amen. But if you're not close to people, you shouldn't say that. Hey, man, you say, oh, bless you, honey, I'll pray. You know, I'm praying you get faith. <laughs> no, whatever. You, 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 honestly, we should be able to rebuke people that are close to us, but some people don't want to hear it because they know when it comes out of their mouth, they shouldn't be saying it. So they try to catch themselves or say the right thing. Saying the right, I'd be around Dr. John sometimes, and I want to say the right thing, and then God just said, you say what you're going to say, and you let him rebuke you. That's pride. It's pride if you don't want to be corrected. Y'all pat me on the back later when you go home with your kids. It's pride if you don't want to be corrected. If you don't want to hear what you already know, then you think you know everything. If you think you know everything, then you should be fixed. I'll go on. When we quit praying in faith, we have quit trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, right? He will direct your path. When we, when we quit praying in faith, we're leaning on our own understanding. My past experience. If I leaned on what revival we had in 1998 in this church, I'd have quit. And I've seen God move. I, I, I was going through a time where I was preaching everywhere. You know, Presbyterians were getting healed. People were getting saved. I was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Had a, had a meeting where the Lord just came down. I re, the guy, God died in his service. I rebuked a spirit of death in him in the nursery. Everybody's looking through the window at me. He came out and came for the end of the service. They took him to the ambulance, took him to the hospital, brought him back. Nothing was wrong with him. I mean, I seen God do some stuff. That was yesterday. That was a glimpse. God has more for us now. Amen. God wants to multiply healing. He don't just want to use one, one preacher creature. He wants to use you. He wants you to do that. Faith gives up control. When you get in faith, you quit playing spiritual chess. If your prayer life spiritual chess, you're already in trouble. Well, God, I think it should work this way, so I'm going to make this move. And then, God, if you'll just make that move, and if you'll just knock that thing over, and you'll do this and this and this, God, I got it all figured out. If you just listen to me, this will be real quick. Amen. We can't play spiritual chess. We have to trust God. Amen. This is not a chess game. Life is not a chess game. This is for keeps. The devil's playing for keeps. God's playing for keeps. Heaven and hell is real. People are really going to hell. People are really going to heaven. It's, it's, this is a game of life that God has given us a troubleshooting guide that we can have victory in every circumstance. Praise the Lord. That's why I'm so passionate about prayer. I'm not talking to you about something I don't do. I pray. Amen. I got a journal. I got a, you can check up on my prayer life if you want to. Some of you wouldn't understand what I read, and some of you can't write, read my writing. But I can tell you there's good stuff in there. Number three, the third, third reason that we have trouble getting our prayer answered is we ask amiss, the Bible says. We ask amiss. We don't ask for the right thing. This is a troubleshooting guide, Okay. Just to keep us on track and gets the devil out of our prayer life. James 4, 1 to 3. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? How many has been in a warfare inside? And with your family and with people around you, you've been, you seem like you've been in a war. He said, 
This is one option. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? This is what's going on in our society. This postmodern generation, this generation of the Antichrist arising, this generation of all the evil that's going on in the world, this is what's going on in the darkness. That's why we must arise with the light. He said, verse 2, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So first he says, we don't have because we don't ask. Now I recovered that. And then he says in verse 3, you ask and do not receive. Now it makes my ears perk up. Okay, God, why am I not receiving? Why am I not receiving? He said, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You miss the mark. How many know what the definition of sin is? It's missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. He says, you ask amiss, you miss the mark, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, I want to say something real clear. Asking amiss is not asking for things for yourself. I've had lots of Christians tell me that we're Christians for a long time. Well, we're not supposed to pray for things for us, ourselves. I can pray for other people, but I can't pray for myself. That's a religious mindset. That's not what he's saying. Matter of fact, I'd say you're probably the best one to pray for you. (laughs) Other than Jesus, I'd say you're the best one to pray for you. Some people just want to put it off on somebody else. That way, if it don't work, they can blame them. I'm preaching now. Asking amiss is not asking for things for yourself or praying for yourself or your needs or wants. Pray for your needs and wants. I remember the Lord told my spiritual father, Dr. John, one time, he said, son, you can have anything you want as long as you're willing to wait for it and it don't have you. You can have what you want as long as it don't have you. Get yourself a 100-foot yacht if you want, just as long as it don't take you away from God. I, this is the truth, man. I, my first church, I was there, I can't remember, wasn't even a year. This guy comes up to me and he says, man, I'm getting a new bass boat. I'm going out fishing on Sunday. I was like, awesome, I want a bass boat. He said, all preachers can't have bass boats. I was like, what verse is that? Uh, I, 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 I want to I read where preachers can't have bass boats because you just shot my bubble. Why can you have a bass boat and I can't have a bass boat? He, he, he literally tried to put that on me that I'd feel guilty having anything like that. When God, how many of you want to bless your kids? Come on. How many of you know God wants us to enjoy our life? As long as it's in the right perspective and it doesn't, it doesn't become an idol, it's all good. It's all good. Now, I've had idols. Amen. Idols aren't good. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Anyhow, he said, uh, so, so I want to make that clear. If you've been taught that growing up in church, that's false humility. It's pride. It's a mask for pride. Oh, I don't pray for myself. Well, you're dumb. <laughs> Don't try to tell me you're all humble and stuff because you had to tell me that. Why'd you have to tell me? Because you're proud? Because you're more spiritual than I am because you don't pray for yourself. Well, hello, everybody. I pray for myself every day. 
I talk to God. It's scriptural. Amen. He shows me. My grandmother used to sing this song when I was still heathen. She used to sing a song called In the Garden Over Me. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. When I got saved, Lord said, I'm going to show you what that song means. That's our walk. Your grandma sang that song you hated. And she told you you're going to be something even though you hated it. And now you live it. Right? I still sang it. I'm not going to do it today. But I still sang that song. Because it's, it's false humility when we don't pray for ourselves. Asking amiss, you can write this down. Asking amiss is asking wickedly with impure motives and from a lustful evil heart. Example. If you're, if you're single and you're praying for somebody else's wife to be your wife, you're asking amiss. It's lustful. It's wicked. It's wrong. I've seen foolishness like that. I seen a prophecy one time years ago. A lady told somebody that, they, they, uh, that their husband wasn't anointed enough. They was to divorce, God told them to divorce their husband and marry this other man that was more anointed. I'm talking about Fruit Loops and Grape Nuts and wrong. Amen? That's asking amiss. That's, that's Looney Bin stuff. Right? Okay? Praying for someone else's wife. <laughs> I don't know why. I hope I don't lose everybody with this. But I was praying, and I remember, I think Tabitha sent me this song. It was a country song years ago about I'm praying for you. Now, now if you know this, uh, you probably need to repent. But listen, it, it says this in the lyrics of this song. I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do, he said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. You must pray for them. And then the next part of the song goes, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I'm praying for you. That's the epitome of James. What he is saying, asking amiss. That's praying amiss. Amen. We got that covered. So if, if, sometimes our prayer is not being answered because we don't spend enough time talking to God about us. I say, Lord, show me where the immaturity is in me. Show me where the wisdom is that I need. Show me why I'm stuck. If this is a wilderness, God, then I understand. If it's not a wilderness and there's something I need to know, God, show me. And then ask God to show you what's going on. He will. He said, Jeremiah 33 and 3, you call unto me, I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. This may not be a drive-through window experience. The Lord spoke to me about this being a wise master builder back in May. I'm just now speaking this. He may just talk to you about something. It may be years down the road. But he will, and you will, and wisdom will come. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think I'm going to cover 
One more. For you note takers, how about if I give them to you and then I finish next time? Will that help you? My wife's not even nodding. I don't know. Anyhow, <laughs> number four. She's still stuck on that country song, maybe. I don't know. Number, how many ever heard that song? Don't go, don't go look for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> number four, hindrance to prayer is not walking in love. If you're not walking in love, if there's something going on with your love walk, then, then it will be a hindrance to your prayer. Faith and prayer both work by love. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile like us who were grafted in. It doesn't matter. Circumcision or uncircumcision does not matter in this instance. It's faith working through love. Prayer works by faith working through love. If you're out of love, have you read 1 Corinthians 13 lately? If you're not being kind, if you're not being patient, if you're not being loving, if you're not being all those things in 1 Corinthians 13, then you're not, your love walk isn't right, so you need to adjust. Maybe repent. Thank the Lord. Number five. If you're offended or unforgiving. If we're offended at somebody, it hinders our prayer. If there's somebody we haven't forgiven, I'm sorry, the Bible says it's not me, then, then it hinders our prayer. Matthew 5, 22, 24. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come offer your gift. What's he saying? What God is saying is, he's talking about in the Old Testament, coming to an altar of service. So he says, if you're going to come to, to, to do something for God, you're coming to an altar of service. He was talking to them in, in, in that language. Um, then also the altar represents prayer in the New Testament. Okay, so if you're coming to prayer, God is looking for purity and obedience, not sacrifice. So he's not just looking for us to pray. He's looking for our, our heart and our attitude. Thanks for tuning in today. You can find us at anchorchurch.live. Please let us know you're listening by filling out the digital connection card on our website. Again, that's anchorchurch.live. Remember, stand firm, stay anchored to Jesus, and you will weather any storm.